Today we continue in chapter 2, and uh, it's my privilege to preach verse 10. What a sweet journey it's been through this letter of Ephesians, and we reach this uh, amazing climactic uh, sentence uh, in this finishing of this phrase here in these first verses of chapter 2, 1 through 10. Look with me at verse 10. Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are a couple layers here I I want us to see, especially in the opening part of verse 10 in our text this morning, uh, to help us appreciate the very specific focus of Paul in these climatic words here, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. First, it is important that we acknowledge the amazing will and work of God in the creation of all things, but specifically in the creation of mankind. Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 31, we're given insight to this by God's holy revelation says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit you shall have them for food to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and so it was. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. God creates... And specifically here, God creates mankind. He designs and breathes life into the human race. He says, it is very good. Scripture shows us that mankind is the the crown of God's creation. We are the only ones made in His image. Not even the angels have that. Another powerful place in Scripture that we read about God's amazing work in creation Specifically in the work of God the Son, Jesus Christ, Paul says to the church in Colossae, in Colossians 1, 15-18, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Praise God, who is the creator and sustainer and ruler of everything. Praise God, especially for his creation of the human race. Consider your loved ones. Look at their faces. See the marvelous hand of God and how wonderfully they are made. David celebrates this reality in Psalm 139, 13-16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Beloved, you're not a mistake. You're not a result of happenstance. You are perfectly formed by God. It's not related to the text, but it's worth a moment of consideration. Are you guilty of looking in the mirror and critiquing what you see? Critiquing the design and work of God and the uniqueness of how He formed and made you? Beloved, you are His workmanship. Your life is the direct result of His sovereign hand. Your days were decided, every one of them, before you even began. Now, as amazing as that is, Paul's emphasis here in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians is not on God's creation of mankind alone, but more specifically that God created a people whom he would redeem and save and adopt and make his forever. Paul says, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The we here is the church, the saved saints, the elect, by which Paul is writing to. He says, we are his workmanship, Created in Christ. So not only is Jesus a direct cause of our being created, as we've read, but we who are God's elect are created in Christ Jesus, meaning we are created to ultimately be united with Christ. This is the purpose of God's plan in the covenant of redemption. Question 56 of the Word of Truth Catechism. The question is, what is the covenant of redemption? The answer is this. The covenant of redemption is the plan and decree made before creation between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to graciously redeem the chosen ones from sin and punishment based on the work required of Jesus. All of creation is set 
in the context of this divine plan, God set out not only to create, but to save a people to Himself. For this for His eternal glory and our eternal good. It is in this context that Paul is saying more than the fact that God created mankind, as marvelous and as praiseworthy as that is, he's saying that God created us, His people, to be saved, to be in Christ. So this is more about being a part of the new creation and not the original creation. Listen to how Paul says this to the church in Corinth in his second letter, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is Paul's climactic emphasis here in verse 10. God's covenant of redemption, made before anything existed, was to save and sanctify a special worldwide people for himself. Church, this is truly good news. We who are God's elect are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Look at another layer of clarity we see in this verse that also points to the covenant of redemption. Not only are are you not a mistake, not the result of happenstance, but God's workmanship created in Christ. But, But we get to look at the fact that that this this work of God, this plan of God, is not an afterthought. You're not an afterthought. The verse says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God elected to save His people beforehand. Meaning before creation. It was His will, His plan to create a people who would be in Christ and therefore walk in good works to display the holiness of God. We see this important clarity of when God decided to do this in many other texts in Scripture. A few to consider, Revelation 13, 7-8. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. The authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Here we have specific mention. The book of life of the Lamb who was slain. God's elect, God's chosen people. The condemnation, judgment that would be on all those who are not predestined, ordained by God to be of His people. When were the names written in the book of life? Before the foundation of the world. Also, 2 Timothy 1.9, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Church, see with me the specific language and how much this verse here in 2 Timothy 1.9 agrees with the text and we're in in Ephesians chapter 2. Who is the us? Those who are called 
to salvation in Christ are those who are called to live a holy life. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. We saw this in chapter 1 of Ephesians. High point of Holy Scripture with great emphasis of the covenant of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, 4 through 6. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Praise God for His perfect, predetermined, eternal plan to save to Himself a people A people He would not only save, but send. A people He created for a purpose, for a work to be done. Every one of these texts I've just read highlights this purpose that we should be holy and blameless. He's called us to a holy life. And on and on. And we see that here in our text. Look again with me at the text. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. What are good works? Good works are the things we say and do that honor the holy God. If the aim or the activity of those works are not righteous or unto the glory of God, then they are not good works. Paul gives us clarity into what good works are in his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for the glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. A work is something we do or think or say. If that work is well-doing, or you could say righteous, if it is for God's glory and honor, if its aim is the eternal and not the temporary, then it is good in every sense that God intends for it to bring Him glory. If it is self-seeking or it does not obey or honor God, it is unrighteous and therefore not good. Before we go further into what these good works look like, the the fact that we are created and then saved for good works is an important clarity for us to understand. Hear Paul's emphasis for the purpose of our days, church, that God has ordained for us. Good works that honor and make much of Him. Also understand clearly the emphasis of these verses and specifically the verses leading up to verse 10 that we've spent so much good time in to this point, they show us that it is not because of our good works that we are saved, but that we are saved unto good works. The Word of God is clear that there is no God-honoring works without saving faith, without new birth. To the corrupt, 
and unbelieving. Nothing is pure. Their very minds and consciences are corrupted. It's Titus 1, verse 15. There is no good and acceptable works performed by those who are corrupt or unbelieving, those who are without saving faith. One of the most famous scriptures that we often use to speak of our best laid efforts to do something good or to effort in a futile way to do spiritually something good apart from true faith is Isaiah 64 6 that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags that we are utterly desperate for Christ for the work that we would do to be truly righteous our very best apart from him is like filthy rags Romans 14.23, Paul says, Whatever is not from faith is sin. This is why it is faulty thinking when our society wants to declare that because someone was good or nice or a giving person in their life, that surely God should accept them. Understand that the perceived good of the unsaved person might be horizontally wonderfully good, but according to Holy Scripture, it is not spiritually good. Whatever is not from faith is sin. These good works, apart from Christ, are not good because they do not honor God. Without faith, without their aim being for God and His glory, the aim of these good things that an unbeliever might do is self or is the creation, which is to cut short what God is due. They do not honor God who is worthy of all of our lives and actions, and so it is sin. Therefore, it is not good works they are doing. So the point is necessary and essential to understand rightly Faith precedes any God-honoring works. This was James' point in James chapter 2, verse 22. Faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Faith is always active with good works. And is completed, or, or maybe more clearly said there, is proven by works. True faith in Jesus Christ alone produces God-honoring works. The other side of this is important to see as well. If there is no God-honoring works that follow proclaimed faith, then the faith that person proclaims is dead. Notice I said in James 2.22 that completed here, means proven. Completed doesn't mean finished or to finish. or Why? Because according to Scripture, the work that is needed for justification with God was finished on the cross of Christ. Only Jesus' spotless record could pay for our stained record. We offer and contribute nothing. 
We see this in other exhortations of Scripture to the saints. For example, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out doesn't mean complete what has not been finished. It means live out. It means be who you are, who you now are in Christ. Don't proclaim Jesus as Lord and then go on to live as if you are still Lord. No, with fear and trembling, with high respect and awe, do the good works that honor Christ as Lord. And know that for the truly saved, these good works are not something you do of yourself, but they are done because of Christ in us. Ultimately, it is God who works in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. We cannot walk in good works outside of salvation. This emphasizes the universal truth that must be understood rightly, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing that is good or God-honoring. This is Jesus' emphasis in the Gospel of John. Chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see what he's emphasizing? You can do no good works. Nothing that is good and God-honoring apart from me. Our union with Christ is the source of new life, and it is a life that then is lived unto holiness. For Christ gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. See the work of God to not only save us unto Himself, but to save us unto good works, church. Unto a lifestyle that honors Him, that glorifies Him and His righteousness. This glory made known among the nations is His purpose for our days. Our sanctification Unto glorification is the purpose of the elect. We are to display the righteousness of God in our lives lived out. No matter what we face, He is at work in all things to this end. Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Church, see and savor this fact with me. This has been God's plan from before time. God covenanted to have a redeemed people that would honor him with our restored lives in Christ. In the Old Testament, we read in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 47, 25 through 27, where God, through the prophet, explains his plan for regeneration unto lives lived out in sanctification. Look with me, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols i will cleanse you and i will give you a new heart and a new spirit i will put within you and i will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's look at what this means when we walk in the good works that God has ordained and saved us to do. True Christians are people who don't just proclaim Jesus is Lord and Savior. Their lives are forever transformed because of His saving them and because He is now Lord of their lives. Listen to what Jesus says next in John chapter 15, 6-10. If anyone does not abide in Me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. See what Jesus is emphasizing here. Live out your salvation with bearing much fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit at work in you is the fruit of the Spirit. Good, God-honoring works. And in this, we so prove to be his disciples. Those with living faith, true saving faith, instead of those with superficial faith or dead faith. The point Paul is making in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, is that God has ordained not just to save us by His grace, as marvelous as that is, and we worship Him unendingly for it. But He saved us 
unto lives that walk in good works, that show his righteousness, that point others to Christ. The working out of our salvation is the purpose of our days, the testimony of the transformed life in Christ on display for others to see Jesus. Listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He says to those who are in Christ, do not conform to the world, conform to Christ. Conformity is to act in accordance or harmony with the standards, attitudes, practices of another group or person. So I ask you today, who are you conforming your life to? Whose standards, attitudes, or practices are you living by? We who belong to Jesus, we who are in Christ, are to conform to Christ, to be known for Jesus, to look more and more like Christ in our sanctification. Romans 8.29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. We're not called to conform to the world. We're not to not look like the world, but instead to be set apart. 1 Peter 1.14, As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So, so kids and adults alike, this is why we don't aim to look like everyone else. We, we don't do things because everyone else is doing them. Quite the opposite. We are conformed to Christ and we don't conform or, or long to, to be like the passions of our former ignorance when we were apart from Christ. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Church, God has saved us by His grace, from eternal wrath, so that we can practice, live out eternal holiness. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, do them, practice them, be known for them. We're to live out the new life 
we have in Christ. And understand that this new life looks very different than the old one we once lived in the flesh. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Even as He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. I love how Pastor Kevin DeYoung speaks of this transformation of walking in holiness, of walking in good works. He, he says this, to employ a metaphor, you can think of holiness as the sanctification of your body. The mind is filled with the knowledge of God and is fixed on what is good. The eyes turn away from sensuality and shudder at the sight of evil. The mouth tells the truth. It refuses to gossip, slander, or speak what is coarse or obscene. The spirit is earnest. It's steadfast and gentle. The heart is full of joy instead of hopelessness. Patience instead of irritability. Kindness instead of anger. Humility instead of pride. And thankfulness instead of envy. The sexual organs are pure, being reserved for the privacy of marriage between one man and one woman. The feet move toward the lowly and away from senseless conflict, divisions, and wild parties. The hands are quick to help those in need and ready to fold in prayer. This is the anatomy of holiness. Church, this is what it looks like when we walk in good works. See the sanctified life, church. The life that is lived in obedience to God's Word. The life that displays the righteousness of God is the life God has saved us to live out until He calls us to glory. And so I ask you, even in these unique times we're in, in the unique ways that your days are now being lived out, in the new ways that temptation knocks at the door, the ways that uh, our sin uh, in, in our flesh might be called in, in boredom or to, to different things, and, and we might be flippant or, or to turn, and just that the good works would, would go to work, that the Christ in us would go to work. We would turn away from sinful temptation. We would... We would turn away from senseless things of the flesh and be purposeful with our days and our time to honor God, to walk in good works. If someone were to ask you the difference between your life before God saved you and after, our answer should be, I was condemned to eternal torment because of my sin. And now I'm adopted into God's family because of the perfect substitutional work of Jesus on my behalf. We should be able to say, or even better display, that I was the Lord of my own life and did what my sinful flesh wanted, but now Jesus is Lord of my life. And I do all that He commands me to do. I do what pleases Him. Paul's point in verse 10 is this. True saving faith is a faith that goes to work. 
It trusts God. It obeys God. It serves God. It displays God. Jesus repeatedly emphasizes that true saving faith was more than mere intellectual acceptance, but a life transformed to produce the fruit that honors God. He says this in Matthew 7, 16-20. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Church, hear it clearly today. The evidence of true faith in God is God-honoring works. The fruit of the Spirit at work in your life. That you are saved by faith alone, but faith that does not remain alone. It goes to work. This is God's purpose for our days. This is a major way that God puts the gospel of our Lord Jesus on display. Why did God wake you up today, Christian, instead of just take you home? So that your good works in Christ Jesus would go to work. So that those God intends to be saved will be saved. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you remember Jesus' charge for us in Matthew 5, 14-16? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He has called us to be a city on a hill, to shine the light of Christ bright into the darkness. Because we have a future family who God is still preparing to enter His gates. In God's perfect plan, it is not time yet to take us home, to enjoy God forever as we feast and worship Him forever because the holy city is not yet filled with all those who God ordained to fill it, to join us. Church, we rejoice that heaven is coming, but we are patient because we know it's not yet time. I love this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 4 Chapter 4, verse 18. It points to the path we're on and the coming reality we look forward to. Proverbs 4, 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Full day is coming, church. Holy heaven will be greater than we know how to imagine or hope. But our path for righteous living, for showing others the light of Christ, is the purpose of our days, to walk in good works until He calls us home, until that full day. We cannot be casual about this God-given call. We have to take it most seriously. We are called to continue to labor and to struggle in this dark world with the light of Christ. 
with the knowing that God will save and adopt our elect family as He prepares to bring us all home. We need to embrace the privilege that it is to be called and empowered to shine the light of Christ into a decaying society that is desperate for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this for God's glory, for His eternal glory, and for their eternal good. When you look out into our lost culture and hear all the stories about how sin is at work, when you see a global virus running rampant and lost society's fearful response, do you despair as if this life is the only one you're living for? No. No. Why? Because your hope is not in this kingdom and these treasures. We live for the kingdom to come. So we do not look at all that is wrong in the world with despair. We see it for what it is. A world lost in darkness, condemned in sin, desperate for the light of Christ. The light we have been entrusted with to testify of and to share. And we do this by walking in the good works God has given us in Christ to do. Christian, it is what we do. The great reformer Martin Luther speaks of our faith lived out this way. Oh, it is living. It's busy. It's active. It's a mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it to not do good works incessantly. It, it does not ask whether there are good works to do, but before the question rises, it has already done them. It is always at the doing of them. He who does not these works is a faithless man. He gropes and looks about after faith and good works, and knows neither what faith is nor what good works are, though he talks and talks with many words about faith and good works. Church, this is so real, so sobering. I've, I've had far too many experiences to sit with people I love, people I've walked with, people I've known, people even of this church and its history, who've claimed an overwhelming love and devotion to Christ. But when confronted with God's authoritative Word that declares what it is to honor Christ, they literally get up and walk out because they do not obey God, because they do not heed His warning for them. They do this because the faith they claim to have in Jesus, the trust they claim to have in God, the transformed person they claim to be, is sadly nothing more than a masquerade. It is a man-made belief in something that does not transform. It is something that has not made them new. It lacks true evidence of new birth, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God to bring conviction, to bring repentance and obedience and sanctification. It lacks the simple fruit of the tree that's been made alive from its former enslaved, dead-to-sin state. God's Word is clear. It is God who saves. 
by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And for those whom He saves, that faith, that transformed life in Christ, goes to work. It does what God has ordained the lives of His saved ones to do. What He has ordained us to do before time. It walks in the ways of God. Hear it again, church. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 I pray that there is a growing fervor in you to know and honor God in your mind, in your words, in your actions, in your life priorities, that we do what He has saved us to do. Oh, I pray for a faith that not only saves, but sanctifies. That only starts, but it keeps going until He calls us home. In closing, let me say this. Heaven will be the final showroom of God's grace and love for us as we reign with Him in glory. But in the meantime, God's amazing grace and unending love for His people, His elect, is on display in our lives lived for Him. We are a a beautiful work of art in which God displays His infinite glory and grace in and through our redeemed lives. The visible church in the here and now is the most exquisite display of the workmanship of God in the pinnacle of His creation. Mankind, and even more specific, the elect of mankind by which God has loved us and destined us for glory from before time. We need to be confident in this church. The potter has his hands on the clay, that is, vessels of mercy, which he's prepared beforehand for glory. Romans 9.23 For the time for our final exhibition is not yet come. One day it will, and it will be glorious. Psalm 84.10 says, For better is one day in His courts than a thousand elsewhere. In the meantime, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, what a mighty God we serve. The privilege to even come to you in prayer, the intercessor, Jesus Christ, power and clarity of the Holy Spirit. I just I bring you praise. I bring you honor. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for all the goodness that it is to us, all the help, all the correction, all the clarity and inspiration. Lord, we, we need not fancy things and shows and, and means. We need the, 
the written Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that You are doing Your work in lives today. I pray bringing that it's Your will to bring saving faith to those dead in sin, that they would repent of their sin and believe in Christ for salvation, that He would be the Lord of their lives, that they would become connected, involved, accountable to the local church to live out Your commands for us to do these very good works we've studied today. And for Your church, Lord God, Your redeemed ones, that we would see and savor and be most purposeful with these days You've entrusted to us to go to work. Even if we can't go to physical work, even if we can't leave our house, that we would go to work that the, the good works of Christ, the good works of sanctification, the things that honor you, that display you, would be at work in the church, in our words, in our prayers, in our activity. The gospel would be on display. Oh God, you are at work in the most amazing way, in, the most, in this most unprecedented time. We just... We just relish and, and we, just, we just savor, we just celebrate how sweet it is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. To trust in You, to walk by faith and not by sight. But that it would not end there. It would go to work, God. Do Your work, God. It is for Your glory we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.